Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. An opportunity for a series win. Who would have thunk that after the way that the road trip started, the Pirates snapping their seven-game losing skid yesterday with an 11 to nothing win, pounding out a season-best 18 hits over the Miami Marlins, getting a great start from Stephen Brault. We'll discuss that and much more on our NASCO Roofing Preview Show, which we welcome you inside our Green Tree Studios, too. And what's on tap for today's show, brought to you by Coors Light and Barrel Junction with two locations in Shaler and Gibsonia. We'll review last night and uh, what Rick Eckstein has meant to this uh, Pirates pitching staff, uh, Pi- Pirates uh, he- he- hitting crew, uh, and the pitching staff getting a shot in the arm uh, from Stephen Brault last night. You'll hear from him. Plus, the bullpen is starting to pick up uh, a little bit. They've had a, a handful of pretty good outings. Uh, Clint Hurdle on that topic. And he'll also discuss the use of Felipe Vasquez, which we were discussing after the loss in Atlanta where Vasquez came on to pitch in the eighth inning in a tie game, only threw 17 pitches, did not come back out to get the save after the Bucks were able to get a lead. We were asking some questions, perhaps, perhaps what is the collateral damage that Clint Hurdle referred to after the game? Uh, that uh, was the reasoning for him going to Kyle Crick, who eventually gave up a uh, game-tying home run where the Braves go on to win in extras. So that's going to get addressed in the conversation that uh, Hurdle has with reporters. And we will also uh, take a look around the league, uh, plenty uh, of news and notes as well, and talk about the Major League debut of Dario Agrizal, who makes... Uh, the start today for the Pirates. So, Jack, it's good to be back with you. You missed a lot yesterday. Offensive onslaught by the Buccos. 11 to nothing winners, 18 hits pounded out. Really good to see. Well, I did have an evening off, but I did watch the first three innings of the ball game where there wasn't <laughs> anything going on. Yes. And then uh, we went out to dinner, and I came back home and turned it on. It was 11. It was over. It's 11 got the postgame show. It was like, wow, how about this one? And it was great to see Brian Reynolds with a four-hit night, career high for him. He scores three runs. Starling Marte continues to swing a really good bat. Josh Bell, a really productive plate appearance. He's in Colin Moran. What could you say about Moran? A five-RBI night, a three-run home run, goes three for five. A three different run-producing plate appearances for Colin Moran. Stephen Brault, of course, on the mound and at the plate going two for two. Just a really good night against a bad team. Yes, the Miami Marlins. You should be able to do what the Pirates did against Miami. So I have a question for you. Sure. So you have a rotating outfield and you're trying to play all these guys, but what happens to a guy that says, I'm just going to continue to hit? Because I should be your starting blank. Ooh. And that would be Brian Reynolds. Yeah, and I guess it doesn't matter. He could play all three positions, right? And that helps the cause, does it not, that he's not pigeonholed to one particular position. So you could send him to right field as he played last night. Uh, night before last in the final game against the Atlanta Braves, he was in left field. And he could also spell Starling Marte in centers. So that's, I guess, the good problem to have. I mean, you have five really good outfielders that you need to rotate you need some positional flexibility. I think amongst all of them, you can get that with well, not necessarily Dickerson, but Cabrera can play the corners. Reynolds can play all three. And, of course, uh, if you wanted to move Starling Marte around, you wouldn't. Um, you could do that as well. Well, my point is that this kid here, by doing what he's doing, 
could say, yeah, you should do something with those other guys, but you shouldn't be doing anything with me because I deserve to play every day. It's hard to take him out of the lineup, Jack. Uh, what he is doing is uh, bordering on historic. I mean, we talk about our, our stock up, stock down report brought to you by Fergasso Financial Advisors. We guide for life. I mean, this guy's stock continues to soar, uh, and I'm not sure anybody had what Reynolds is doing. I mean, uh, first four-hit game of his career last night, his batting average is a major league best 364 among all rookies. The, a 24-year-old switch hitter uh, hitting a 413 clip this month, and it's not smoke and mirrors, Jack. He's doing it in every conceivable way. He's hitting for a little bit of power, gap power, six doubles, a triple. He's driven in six. He's getting on base, serving balls to the opposite field, and hitters counts and pitchers counts. He's been amazing. So let me throw this one at you, and you tell me the company that he's with. On base percentage, he's seventh in baseball. Trailing Christian Yelich, Mike Trout, Cody Bellinger, Charlie Blackman, Chris Bryant, Nolan Arenado. Give me a break. How about those names? It's crazy. And uh, it's going to make this McCutcheon trade look better and better and better. And it's funny, you know, everybody, and I saw on Twitter, just, you know, as we talk about cost per win, we talk about uh, cost per production. I mean, better slash line for Colin Moran than Manny Machado. I mean, you want to talk about Reynolds, you could talk about Colin Moran as well. What he's been doing is been has been pretty good. When you compare him against some of these big money guys, like what the Padres did going out to get Hosmer, overpay. You go out to get Machado, overpay. You know, I, I think that uh, – you got to love the shrewdness of this Pirates uh, front office at times when they're able to go out and acquire other players from other organizations. They have done, and you cannot deny, a fantastic job of being able to evaluate other organizations' players and finding a way to get them um, into this organization. And Reynolds, for me, by far and away, and you can, and it's hard to take away the spotlight from Josh Bell considering what he's done. I think he's the story for me more so than Josh Bell. Well, the one thing, Dan, is if you're a small market club, the one thing that you have to do is you have to have zero to three players performing above what you would expect. And when you take guys like Moran, who's doing that, Josh Bell clearly doing that, you take Reynolds doing that, that's when you can – and you can even talk about your shortstop scenario right there because he's doing that as well. That's how you win because otherwise when these guys get to a certain point, and let's not kid ourselves what happens when Josh Bell gets to that fifth year – approaching the fifth year, his agent's not going to give him a, a, a big-time deal here in Pittsburgh. It's not going to happen. He's going to end up, and now you're going to have to start talking about what we're going to do with Josh Bell as an example. So when you can have any of these other young guys coming up and performing above the level of of what you would expect, then that's how you can win. Hey, you mentioned Kevin Newman. Clint Hurdle asked about him as well, so we're going to hear from the skipper coming up a little bit later on in the program. But uh, you don't want... Uh, to, to be lost in the fold, just what this Pirates offense has been able to do collectively. It has been uh, pushed aside. It's been a side note because we've had bigger fish to fry when it comes to the discussion points, Jack, on this show, because the the, the pain points have been much more glaringly obvious and, and has sucked up perhaps much more airtime than we would like, but we have to address bullpen issues. We have to address starting pitching issues. We have to address leads blown late. And all the while especially the last three weeks, we're closing in on a month now, pretty decent sample size. This Pirates offense has put together some of the better production in all of Major League Baseball over the last three and a half weeks. Unfortunately, 
we haven't had an opportunity to discuss it. That's why I really enjoyed last night's postgame show. 11 runs on 18 hits. You can really shine the light on this offense, which has been doing similar stuff here, maybe not to this extent, but really for the best, the better part of June. They have, and they've scored against everybody. You know, they just haven't been able to win. But uh, nevertheless, I mean, last night we talked about it when on Thursday. Okay, after the loss on Thursday, well, they're going to Miami. Well, this might be just what the doctor ordered because they need something to get some wins under their belt and get them kind of in a positive mode when they come home for the homestand because it'll be an interesting homestand with the Cubs and Milwaukee. So uh, this is perfect for them right now. So, again, you're relying on a rookie tonight. We'll see what happens. Yeah, 135 runs, by the way, for this Pirates offense, Jack, over the last 23 games. That's nearly six runs a game. Right, and then you can – and I haven't done it, but we should have because you can go look and see how many they've given up. Mm. And then, you know, that, there's there's tell of the tape right there. Yep, no doubt. Closer to seven, eight runs per game over that time. And they've lost two-thirds of their games, which makes it all the more frustrating. So we'll see what Dario Agrizal is going to throw uh, uh, up my, Miami's way. We'll also talk about Pablo Lopez, the right-hander, who's thrown the ball okay. Um, and that's coming up a little bit later on in the program. Let's get to the heart of the matter, if uh, we may. Brought to you by Washington Health System Jack. Stephen Brault backs up his outing in Milwaukee with another good one against a Marlins team. He goes uh, a six shutout. Uh, it was just terrific work by Brault. Had him on the postgame show last night. And let's listen in to what Stephen Brault had to say. Stephen, what's up, man? How are you? I'm pretty good. A little tired. It's very humid here in Miami. I don't know if you know that. Uh, but, yeah, it was good. It's a good, huge win for us um, to be able to – we, we want to take this series, obviously, before we go back home. So uh, I think it's a really big win for us. Yeah, so about the weather, I mean, it's not quite San Diego-esque where everything out there is perfect. I know that that's uh, your neck of the woods. It was raining there earlier, and was the roof open, and did they have to close it? And I'm not sure if that creates some sort of greenhouse effect where it's really <laughs> steamy in there. What, what, what was it like there at Marlins Park tonight? It was it was warm, probably eighty, eighty two, something like that, and and very humid. They did have the roof open early, but there was a huge storm that rolled through. Apparently, yeah, like flood warnings, and it was raining really hard all day. So, um, you know, it's kind of nice that they have a roof here. It's pretty smart, you know. Like rains a lot in Pittsburgh, that would be nice to have. Yeah, the the snow as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll we'll get to get with the Mr. Coonley on that one. Maybe we could get something uh, <laughs> like a biodome or something along those lines. Uh, did you happen to run out of gas at all? You were at ninety pitches. I mean, seemingly strong, but you mentioned that uh, you're tired now and that it was kind of humid there. So I didn't know if that played a factor. No, no, I didn't. I didn't run out of gas. It was just more of you know we were we had a solid lead and uh, you know Clint wants to get some guys some innings right now. And, uh, and uh, you know, I felt good about where I was coming out after six scoreless. I'll take that. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a good outing for me. And uh, it's, a good, it's a good win for our team. So I'm, I'm totally cool with that. Um, just be ready for the next one. Have a little bit of extra break here at the off days finally. So that'll be nice. All right. Well, strikes. You threw a lot of them, 61 of them in your 90 pitches. That's great. First pitch strikes even better. And with your fastball, you had 12 of 21. What's been the key lately? Uh, well, I think that the main thing is just kind of a mental mental change of you know I I knew where I was where my where I was standing you know I was kind of on the brink I wasn't doing well um, I was inconsistent and it just wasn't gonna last and so kind of a mental change just you know this, I need to make this adjustment right now or who knows what's gonna happen so um, I think that it's huge to be able to get ahead of people of course for me but what's more important for me is just being able to have the commitment 
with my fastball because it's always worked for me in the minor leagues all the way up. It's always been played up better than what the velocity says. And, you know, making a mental change where, like, look, I'm just going to throw it, and they're going to hit it, and that's fine because I think that I'll be able to get them out most of the time. It's been it's been a huge change. So uh, we heard Clint Hurdle, and I don't know if this was after your – I think it was after your last start uh, – against oh I, I forget who it was against Brewers yeah the Brewers he he well no this was against Atlanta I think where you kind of you know you got through the four innings and I, I think he kind of I don't know if he was exasperated or at all Stephen but I think he wanted you to essentially throw the ball down the middle and let your stuff eat and, and have more confidence in it as opposed to try to knock a beer can off a fence Is, do I have that right because it looks like that's what you did in Milwaukee that's what you did tonight getting ahead of hitters and if you give us a solo home run so what. Yeah, you know, that's that's exactly what it is. It's it's being able to say, you know, even runners on base, like, look, the stuff's going to play. It needs to, but the only way it's going to play is if it's in the zone. Um, and so it's it's been, yeah, it's been a lot better these last two starts, which is really nice. Um, but mostly, you know, like like you said, Clint, Clint was at the point where it's like, look, we can't have that happen anymore. You know, it needs to be more consistent. So I'm doing my best to, to – to be as consistent as possible from here on out. Yeah, I mean, you're able to keep it off the barrel. I mean, we're seeing Diaz set up down the middle of the plate, and not to say that you're just putting things on a tee here because that's not at all what anybody is advocating, but basically your stuff and your deception plays enough that you can miss a barrel even in the zone and out over the plate, right? Right, yeah. You know, one of the main things is that we've, we've gotten to the point where we're, if we're going fastball up, you know, it's, it's not like in or out. It doesn't matter. We're just going fastball. We're throwing at the top of the zone, um, and it doesn't matter which side it's at. And and that kind of idea of just get it up um, has has been really helpful. And then when we throw sinkers, it's just get it down. It doesn't have to be perfectly low and away. It has to be down. No changes. It just has to be down. Slide it has to be down. That kind of thing. So uh, we're going more north and south now uh, with Diaz and I. And so we've been able to work really well together. And it's been nice to have him. You know, he's caught me in my last four games, and that's been awesome. And what's up with the uh, the north and south thing, working at the top of the zone? Because this has been an organization whose pitching philosophy, correct me if I'm wrong, has been, well, work two seamers down on the zone, we shift our infield, we try to get ground balls. It seems as if that has changed. When did that change? I think it changed, you know, it kind of changes with the, with the hitters. You know, you see all these hitters coming up, they're, they're being taught as they're coming up, you got to be able to hit the pitch down. And so if you're just, if you just stay down, there's very few people that can just stay down, stay down and be successful. Um, Kyle Hendricks pretty much stays down for the most part, but he also, I mean, you'll see him go up sometimes. Um, but really, you have to be able to change eyesight, and and changing eyesight changes timing. And if you're changing timing, you're not getting as good of swings. So that's what we're looking for. We're looking for people to hit the ball, just not hit it very well. You into the uh, rap soda machines and all that stuff? Uh, yeah, I uh, was using them a little bit. Yeah. Do you, Do you like them? Has it helped you? Uh, I haven't used it too much specifically uh, to help me. I think more more so I let the our analytics guys kind of tell me, you know, they look at it and they can just tell me, you know, the data that they get because they can make sense of it better than I would be able to. And so uh, basically what they told me is like, you know, Rap Soto says that you're not you're not a guy that needs to be corners. You don't have to be corners. <laughs> so it's something something about it, you know, whatever, but I'll take it, you know. All right, so there's Stephen Brault joining us uh, last night on the postgame show. Some interesting stuff there, uh, Jack. I, I think that you know he's always been a candid guy, really good interview, and he was very much aware and realistic of what his situation was quickly becoming. And he was, 
perhaps on thin ice here in this organization. After that Atlanta start, we discussed, boy, Hurdle sounds really exasperated. Since then, Brault, two-start sample size, he's been on good behavior, if you will, uh, following the, the, the marching orders. Not to say that he wasn't a, a non-compliant type of guy. That's that's not at all what I'm getting at. But essentially following the game plan to a T, and he's, he's subsequently gotten to a better place. Well, he said the, the big thing was first pitch strikes, and you mentioned that as well because it's the best pitch in baseball. Um, obviously, the key to him last night was not putting guys on base because his command has been his big, big bugaboo. But, Dan, it's interesting in this day and age. I could go back 30 years ago whenever I would see guys with – or a lot of organizations would have pitchers that had command problems, but they had very good life to their fastball. And what happens is catchers are moving in and out. Guys like that don't have to have move in and out. All you have to do is and, – and I know on numerous occasions, organizations in the minor leagues, a kid growing up or even in the big leagues coming up, hey – Sit in the middle of the plate. Just don't move because his command's not good enough to hit you in and out. So if he throws it down the middle, they're not going to make good contact anyhow. And if he tries to throw it down the middle, chances are it's going to drift a little bit outside or it might pitch inside. As a result, what ends up happening is if you have a fastball like this kid has with the movement, it's going to be hard to square the ball up even if it's in the zone. And now you go up and down, north and south is the term he was using, as opposed to going in and out, where you go in and out, catcher sets up outside, he tries to hit that target, it's eight inches outside. Same thing inside. Set up in the middle of the plate, let him throw the ball down in the zone or up in the zone, get it in the middle of the plate. Chances are it's not going to be where the catcher is anyhow, but you're giving yourself half of the plate on the right-hand side and half of the plate on the left-hand side, and it sounds like that's what he did. Yep, and he struck out six, didn't walk anybody. He gave up his eight hits, but again, so what? Hung a goose egg on the Marlins and was able to get clean innings for the bullpen. Feliz, Holmes, Rodriguez, all clean innings. We're going to talk about the bullpen. They've been putting together some clean innings of late, so that is when we return here on the NASCO Roofing Preview Show. Pirates-Marlins, game two of the three-game series. We'll get you uh, Hurdle's thoughts when we return. And we'll also uh, get an update to our injury report. But first, uh, the weather forecast from Weather Seal Home Services, just a dollar down, will get you new windows. Uh, high 70s, low 80s in Miami. Isolated thunderstorms tonight. The roof we presume to be closed at Marlins Park. Dario Agrizol, Major League debut against Pablo Lopez. A pitching matchup breakdown as well with Jax Renzik, Dan Zangrily coming back on the NASCO Roofing Preview Show. Hey, folks, be sure to stay tuned. 93.7thefan.com and all of us here at the radio station will be saluting youth baseball and softball teams throughout the course of the year, along with our friends at Community Bank, the Better Business Bank. It's game two of a three-game series. Bucks and Marlins coming your way. It's a little bit of an earlier first pitch, 6-10, Dario Agrizol is making his big league debut against Pablo Lopez. More on those two a little bit later on. But Clint Hurdle's thoughts begin with, I suppose it's an injury update, if you want to call it that, from WMC Western PA physicians in Robinson and Imperial. As the skipper was first asked about Trevor Williams, we get an update on Williams' next step. Trevor's feeling uh, good. And we're intending to start him Wednesday against Detroit. Intending. He's feeling good. Got a few days in front of him then, but everything's going well. Well, just encouraging to see the progress he's making. Hopefully, Lyle's just for the rotation. Yeah, when it happens, it's going to happen. Um, they both understand their importance to the rotation. They both understand coming back in a healthy 
competitive mode as well because they both see short starts aren't helping anybody. And Jordan's been a part of that, and he realizes how that hamstrings the bullpen, so he wants to put himself in the best position where he can go back and be in the pitcher he was the first six weeks of the season and not the guy that we've seen the last two-plus weeks or four starts touching the ball. Um, and Trevor felt very strongly about the importance of doing what he did in AAA on the rehab, knowing that that's given him the confidence to go out and pitch competitively, and he thinks five or six ups, and give us a chance to win the game against Detroit. How encouraged have you been about the bullpen the last couple of days, throwing clean innings and working pretty efficiently? Well, it's going to help when your starters settle the game down. And we've been able to, to get some better length out of our starters to settle some games down. Um, Rodriguez is continuing to work to sharpen his skill set. You know, one got away from Crick the other night, but there's trust there. There's trust in Vasquez, and he's had a challenging month, although it's not been about blown saves as it was last year. It's just been about batting average against. It's been about whip. It's been about the ERA. It's been about the command. They're going to be strong at the end. Liriano, he had some blips in the lump. He's going to be strong at the end. We may have had to go to Liriano a little bit more than we liked him in the case we were based on the situation we're in with the lack of innings from our starters. So when our starters can calm the game down and we can use our bullpen again when we want to, not when we have to, it all works better. And we're having more opportunities to do that right now. Quinn, you've mentioned a couple times with Felipe that the game in Washington, we had to go to two innings and throw all the pitches and that collateral effect. Are, you, are we still kind of seeing some of that with him? I think he's in a much better place now. Um, I just, well, it's not just a theory. I don't know. It would be my opinion. Bullpens aren't the same this year as they were last year. And all I know is anything, when you use it more, it has a tendency to wear out quicker. And it was a hot and heavy subject, and it became very, very effective, and it was cool, and it was cutting edge. This may be the other side of it. This may be the residual side of it. Everybody thinks Felipe can pitch almost every day, and everybody thinks he should pitch almost every day, and there's always more opportunity for Felipe to be used. However, the best Felipe, I think we've got our mind wrapped around what that looks like, and that doesn't match up with other people want it to look like. So there's that give and take on what's best for the club, and what he's willing to do physically, because he's willing to take the ball. The effect after it, I think we've seen some, some collateral damage from time to time. It's not just the same, because it's not something he's done a lot of anywhere else. He's done it here. Um, I think he's in a better place, but I do think it doesn't help his rhythm or doesn't help his syncing up his pitches. I think he's better served when he pitches three times a week or four times a week, one inning, but we'll see how it plays out. He's, he's shown the ability to do it. However, on the backside of it, there's been some, some rough patches. Well, how do you balance that with trying to win today's game, but then also trying to you know, keep him up? The way we're doing it and not listen to outside noise on how we should do it probably is the best way because I, I get all kinds of opinions on how, how he should be used. I get all kinds of experts sharing, sharing information. I mean, I appreciate all the, all the, the, all the help. However, again, we're trying to take care of our team and give this young man every opportunity to be successful every time he touches the ball as well. Well, how challenging is it with the closer if you go through a stretch where maybe you don't have a save opportunity for five or six days, which was the case mm -hmm. you know, recently, to get him a little work but yet hold him back in case you need him two or three days in a row? How do you, how do you kind of balance all You that? talk to him. He's shown the ability 
better than I anticipate. I've always been kind of committed to if they go three days, four is my, my zone. Melanson's the best I've ever come across about wanting the ball, telling him we need you to pitch today, about keeping sharp. Very rarely did he go more than three. He ticked the ball the fourth day and was like he was closing the game with a one-run lead. I've also had other guys, that, whether it's an adrenaline or whatever the situation is, they'd come in for that day to get some work, and it just goes south. And you got to get them out after 20-some pitches because you want to maybe use them the next day. And it almost works in reverse. When you're dealing with human beings, it can be messy, and it's not anybody's fault. It's just the way they get wired, maybe in their own mind, and, and the adrenaline part of the game. So you try and through experience, figure it out. And again, experience comes from good, or you get good judgment from experience, most times you get experience from bad judgment. Or, or doing things that didn't work out and, and learning from them together. And one thing about Felipe has been, we have had great commentary and conversation about everything. And, and the other part of it is, there's sometimes when, everybody needs to, to understand what they go through and I think it's a great opportunity when other pitchers get one of the things we do with our rotation when guys are down you move everybody back and get an opportunity to pitch in a different inning with different meaning to the inning it's a great education process for all those involved about what he's doing at the back end of the game as well and how how challenging it can be these guys may have already asked you about Newman but what have you seen with him he seemed like he's really found his way this season he's he's in a good spot I wouldn't tell you anybody's found his way in June the second week of June because I've seen things play out differently. There's a long, lot of season in front. He's worked hard. He's been resilient. He's persevered. He's been competitive. He's been dependable at short, and offensively he's added value to our game, and he came, got into that leadoff position has done a nice job there uh, when we moved Frazier out of it. So we're all proud of him, uh, but it's kind of like I, I get said in, in one of the programs I work in, it's called Well Done, Continue. Well done, continue. That's the challenge. Well done, continue the offensive onslaught. Clint Hurdle's uh, pregame remarks to reporters learned a lot there from Western PA Laborers Training Center, powered by Lyuna. 18 hits yesterday, and it's up to Dario Agrizol to try to shut down the Marlins in his Major League debut. We'll get to that when we return here on our NASCO Roofing Preview Show. Bucks and Fish coming your way here on Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. NASCO Roofing, N-A-S-C-O, roofing.com. Give them a call at 412-373-2000, especially if you have experienced any form or fashion of storm damage, hail, wind, and it's disrupted your roof. Heck, you might not even know, but if there's a shingle or uh, something flapping around uh, not right with your roof, NASCO Roofing at 412-373-2000. The NASCO Roofing Game Day Show. Pirates and Marlins coming your way. Bucks are tied for the... uh, Final spot in the division at 31 and 38. Cincinnati also eight back with Pittsburgh at 30 and 37. Milwaukee's at top of things. A game ahead of Chicago and then at St. Louis that is three and a half back. In our look around the league, which is brought to you by our friends at by our friends at <laughs> it's not on the list. Fox Chapel Advanced Dental Care. I was going to say it's Fox Chapel Advanced Dental Care. I mean, this is, why are they paying me? I, I mean, don't know. Well, it's well, Danny. I'm here just to help. I, you. That's just, what I'm saying. Just, I just want to be your support. I, I'm just a promo reader. <laughs> that, that, that's all I am. Jack Zarenzik alongside. I'm Dan Zangrily, and I, I do have this one: the pitching matchup breakdown, which is brought to you by Flynn's Tire and Auto Service, your hometown tire and auto service experts. It's Dario Agrizol. 
success story. Anytime you're able to sign a, a guy out of Panama and uh, get him to the big leagues, he's actually thrown a ton of strikes over the course of his career. You like the strikeout-to-walk ratio. Tab Douglas had Corey Geiger from the Altoona Mirror on to good years with the Altoona Curve, but was just kind of a tweener guy, Jack, and, and we'll see if he's able to break through. We'll see if he's going to stick here. Can he be somebody that is organizational depth? I hearken back to the Brandon Cumptons and Casey Sadlers of the world when they were winning. They were essentially quad-A guys, but they could come up at the big league level, and if somebody stubbed a toe or if somebody went on the DL for a short stint, Jordan Lyles' hamstring injury crops up on you, creeps up on you, you can go to a Cumpton, you could go to a Sadler. Is Dario Agrizol going to be that guy? Hopefully, because the Pirates clearly have been bereft of all of those guys that could spot you a start, give you the old five and dive. So it'll be interesting to see what Dario Agrizol brings to the table. Yeah, he might be one of those right place, right time type guys too. And because he was on the roster, they took him off the roster, designated him for assignment, and then you know re-signed him. So, um, but then you look at Dan. If you're in a pitching problem, uh, which the Pirates have been and you don't want to go with your opener, you don't want to use another guy out of your bullpen as a starter, sometimes you have a starter sitting in AAA that falls on the exact same day. He's making a start in AAA today. Hey, we're going to give him a chance. He's on our 40-man roster. Let's bring him up, pitch him a game against the Marlins. So, you know, give him his chance to show us what he can do. You never know if someone surprises you. And I say this all the time, Dan. Pitchers Pitchers come from everywhere in a draft. You know, everybody... Gets all fired up about taking a guy in the first round, and great. If you do, that's tremendous. But look at the Pirates rotation and look at the guys that are not first-round picks that are pitching for them in the rotation. And I, the other day when we were playing Atlanta, I was thinking about this, Dan. You know, the, Luke Jackson, the closer for Atlanta, was a first-round pick years ago. This guy had been designated for assignment three different times. A year ago, he was designated for assignment, and today he's the closer for the Atlanta Braves. You just never know about pitching. He's going to be the seventh Pirate to make his Major League debut this season, joining the likes of Jason Martin, Cole Tucker, Brian Reynolds, Montana Durapo, Jeff Hartlieb, and Mitch Keller. He's wearing number 67, so that usually doesn't bode well for a long-term stay. But you know what? Signed as a uh, non-drafted free agent July of 2012. Born in Panama, he's going to become the sixth a player from Panama to play for the Pirates. Manny Sanguian, Rennie Stennett, Omar Moreno. Those are some pretty good names. Dave Roberts at Acosta only played three games for the Bucks, But hopefully, you know, he has a, a nice long major league career. Uh, and, you know, he's done pretty good work over the course of his career. You look at the strikeout-to-walk ratio over his career in seven minor league seasons, 378 punch-outs. He's walked just 86 Pretty good farm report for him over the course of his career from your Western PA Kubota dealers. Uh, last year with uh, AA Altoona, 5-6, and six, ERAs at 4. Uh, this year with AAA Indianapolis, he's thrown the ball much better, much better, 4-2 and two with a 347 earned run average. You know, it's interesting, Dan, because, you know, we always look at the Pittsburgh side of it and you look at the Marlins side of it. This will be the ninth pitcher that has made his Major League debut against the Miami Marlins today. That's pretty interesting. Pablo Lopez for the Marlins, and they have some pretty decent arms. It's about run production for Miami, but the guy that the Pirates are going up against, 6'4", 221-pounder. He's a right-handed hurler from Venezuela, 23 years of age. Uh, came over from 
Seattle with Brian Hernandez and Brandon Miller and Lucas Schiraldi in the David Phelps deal. This is back in uh, July of 2017. And he's been pretty good at home. Uh, at Marlins Park this year, he's posted a 178 earned run average, and he's on a little bit of a roll. His last three starts uh, against San Francisco, Milwaukee, and Atlanta, he's given up one earned run. So uh, Pablo Lopez, whom the Pirates have never seen, goes up against Dario Agrizol, whom the Marlins have never seen. It's, so I'm looking to see who we gonna who's my pick to click tonight, right? And I'm looking. Neither club has ever faced. Neither pitcher on either club has ever faced any hitter on any club, unless it was in a minor league somewhere. But they have no big league track record against each other or anyone on either club. So it'll be interesting to who you picking tonight, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to get to that here coming up a little bit later on because we need some time to think about it. Um, but, you know, hey, Pirates uh, send a Dario Agrizol to the mound. What can you actually expect, Jack? What can you actually expect? Well, you never know. Right. I mean, you never know. I mean, it's it's good that he's making his debut against a club like the Marlins, who, you know, just their record alone, 24 and 43. So as opposed to the Atlanta Braves, you know. So, I mean, it was, like I said, it's one of those nights where I think if you're the front office of the Pirates, you're looking at Agrizol and you're going, look, this guy's been through a lot. He's overcome a lot. Um, we're playing the Marlins tonight. You don't take anybody light because they're big leaguers. But you know what? We can keep our rotation intact, keep our bullpen Strong, and let's give this, or, well, keep our bullpen uh, unused, if you will. And let's bring Agrizol and give him a shot, see what happens. You never know what happens. Yeah, use the bullpen when you want to, not when you have to. We heard Clint Hurdle say that a little bit earlier. And the bullpen actually, Jack, has actually been throwing some zeros up here of late. Uh, last night, Feliz, clean inning, strikes out two. Holmes, uh, he's been throwing the ball actually uh, pretty decently. Uh, Rich Rodriguez doing all right. Uh, Jeff Hartley, two scoreless, final game against Atlanta. Adobe Das Nevaraskas, who does get optioned? He he actually came up and was more of a solution than a problem. And even going back to that really tough loss against the Atlanta Braves on Wednesday night, Jack, it was really good work from the bullpen. Mitch Keller lasting just three innings. He gives up the six runs. The Pirates offense able to come back. Unfortunately, you lose it late because uh, Crick winds up giving up the, the, the game-tying home run, and then Feliz the game winner in the 11th inning. But before that, you're looking at two scoreless from Holmes, uh, one scoreless from Rodriguez, Liriano, Vasquez, uh, all scoreless innings. So you look at the overall body of work, the last three games this bullpen has only given up two runs. And it's interesting when you look at bullpens and you look at arms because all of them have good arms. I mean, you know, we're talking about this whole group of guys that come out to throw the ball 95, 96, 97. But there's a whole lot more to pitching than being able to have a good arm, and I think that's what Pittsburgh's been struggling with, its location, it's your secondary pitches, it's your comfort level on a mound, it's being able to pitch the hitter's weaknesses, and I think that's been the real struggle. But in terms of are these good arms, yeah, they're major league arms coming out of the pen. They're just not executing like major league pitchers, but they've, but they've rebounded, and it's been nice to see what they've done the last few days. I mean, I... Don't know if that's just a blip or if that's going to be something sustainable because you look at Huntington's track record. He's always been able to find guys. You know, the Jeff Hartlebs of yesteryear were the Archimedes Common Arrows where, you know, they came on and, and they would be able to pitch scoreless sixth innings and they might experience a, a brief period of turbulence, but they turned out to be like, wait a second, who are these guys? Where did they come from and how have they had success? That's always been for the most part, a Neil Huntington staple, that obviously has not transpired this year as well as anybody would like. But maybe we're on the cusp of 
a lot of guys starting to figure it out. I, I don't know. Or maybe it's just a great three-day stretch. Well, one good thing is you're going to at least you got Detroit coming in, so you got two more games with this team. Then you got Detroit, who's not a really good ball club. And then after that, you know, it starts to really find out who you are because then you have San Diego, you have Houston at Houston, you have Milwaukee, then you got the Cubs, so and then Milwaukee again before the All Star break. So you got a pretty tough two weeks right before the All Star break to figure out exactly where you're at with your pitching. And Trevor Williams getting healthy. We heard that right off the top from Clint Hurdle. He's going to start, or at least the intention is to start him on Wednesday against the Tigers. All right, so you check that box. You check the Stephen Brault box. Sustainable? I don't know. I mean, maybe at least it's more consistency from Brault to give you the five and outs or the, the six scoreless like he did, again, against a, a, a Miami team that is struggling offensively. So you take that for what it's worth. Jordan Lyles, who's going to throw a bullpen today, he should be back here sooner rather than later. The last medical update that we got was he's going to be on the very minimum of that 10-day injured list stint. It's Archer. a different... Got Archer? Sure, and I'm really looking forward to Archer's start tomorrow to see if he can figure something out. I mean, obviously it did not go well the last time out, but maybe it's starting to... And maybe I'm grasping at straws here. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, if, if, if. That's usually not the mark of a, a team that is going to go to the postseason, and this team likely is not going to, to go to the postseason. But as you look for success stories, as you see this team kind of sitting in the fork in the road, right, It's might not be a fun time to be a Pirates fan at this juncture, but it's a fascinating time because I think that these next handful of weeks are going to determine a lot about the short and long-term future of this team. Yeah, and like I said, right before the All-Star break, Dan, you know, you've got that stretch where you've got to go to Houston, you've got Milwaukee, you've got Chicago. So you've got some really good clubs that are – in pretty good shape right now, so I don't know where your pitching is going to be physically, but they're going to be challenged right before the break. And this was the point last year when Neil came out and said, you guys better start playing good baseball, you know, and if you do, we're going to reward you. And they did. They swept Milwaukee to five-game series right before the All-Star break, and as a result, Neil went out and made the big trade for him uh, because basically his word was on the line. You know, you guys win, I'll, I'll do something, and he did. So, anyhow, uh, a little different story this year based on where they're at in the injury scenario. But they're going to be challenged, you know, in the next two weeks. And it'll. do you look forward to those challenges, Jack, as a general manager, so it all kind of shakes out for you? Or, or do you, you know, because, you know, when you look back on it in hindsight, w- what Neil did last year, was he fooled by a 10-game stretch, just an absolute outlier where the team caught their hair on fire and maybe – tricked him, for, for, for lack of a better term? I, I don't know. And, and is that, you know, the, the worst thing that could have happened to this organization for that 10-game winning streak to, to occur, to, you know, have the GM say, you know what, I, I want to actually parlay some of these prospects into a controllable starting pitcher and really invest into this rotation? Obviously, it hasn't panned out the way that anybody would have liked, but you can kind of look back at, at that stretch, that five-game series against Milwaukee, that fork in the road. They took a direction that, maybe is turning out to be not the right direction. I think time is still a long way from uh, telling the, the true story of that. But, again, fascinating time, the month of June in in, the, in a baseball season. Yeah, and this is that, you know, we talk about the three, the, the baseball seasons divided into three months. The first two months, you don't, you're just trying to figure out what you are, trying to figure out who's in what roles, you know, you get who, who's not heard, who is heard, who's playing well, who's not playing. Then you get those two two months, which you're into right now, to take you to the last two months of the season to find out if you are a pretender or a contender. And that's where they're at right now. And, 
you know, at least at this point in time, they're, they're they've got a lot of issues. the The most incredible thing is they they're not offensive, which I think a lot of people would not have thought that last year in the wintertime. Well, you know, they're going to have good pitching, but I'm not sure about the hitting. I don't know who the shortstop's going to be, and I don't know, you know, and all of a sudden what you end up having is there are a lot of good things. I mean, when you look at right. – we, we can go through them all. We've been through them all. Reynolds is top of the list right here. Bell having the kind of year he's having. Your shortstops have solved that problem. Your third baseman has really been playing well. So, you know, so the issues aren't what you thought they were going to be, but they're issues. Yeah, they certainly are. And – uh Issue at hand tonight is a series win against the Miami Marlins trying to grab uh, their second straight win. Kevin Newman leads off at shortstop. Brian Reynolds is in right field with Marte playing center field. Josh Bell plays first base. Colin Moran at third base. It's Corey Dickerson in left field. Uh, Elias Diaz is the catcher. Adam Frazier, the second baseman. Same lineup as last night for the Pirates. And Agrizal on the mound in his major league debut. The lineups from Rogers Insurance Group. The power of relationships is how we do business. Curtis Granderson leads off for the Marlins. The veteran left fielder Garrett Cooper's at first base. Brian Anderson hits third, plays third. Starlin Castro at second base cleaning up. Harold Ramirez, former Pirates farmhand in the Liriano deal to the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, He's now with Miami in right field. J.T. Riddle is the center fielder. Jorge Alfaro catching. Miguel Rojas, the shortstop. Pablo Lopez is on the mound. That's the Miami starting nine for the 24 and 43 Marlins. Now time, Jack, the old... Pick to click, the pick to perform. What do you got? Starling Marte. Oh, yeah? Why are you going there? As good as you any. just feel it? I just got a, you just yeah. got a hunch? I got a, it's, it, that's all it is. Did you it's throw a dart up the, against the board? No, nope, it's a hunch. That's it. What about you? Well, you know what? And good pick on Marte, second in all of uh, Major League Baseball, a three eighty nine average this month, trailing only Christian Yelich. So uh, fifth in the NL and OPS at ten fifty two in the month of June, and um, he's been really swinging a bat uh, very, very well. For the Pirates. You know, I've been going Kevin Newman. Why not go Colin Moran here tonight? Mm. Why not? Two I mean, days in a row. I, why went, well, he had I a, went Newman yesterday? No, no, he had a big day yesterday. So you're thinking he's having two big days in a row. Yeah, why not? Against his old team. That's it. Okay. You like it. Who right. selected him number one? Wow. Colin Moran, five RBIs yesterday. My pick to perform, Jack, is going with Starling Marte. Picks to perform from Oxford Athletic Club of Wexford, Pittsburgh's premier athletic resort. Jack, I will talk to you. On the post-game show. Looking forward to it. All right. For Jack Zarensic, Matt Harkins on the other side of the glass. Dan Zang really sending you out to Marlins Park, where we presume the roof will be closed. The Major League debut of Dario Agrizol. Pablo Lopez is opposing as the Bucks, 11-0 winners yesterday, pounding out 18 hits. Look for the series win this evening in Miami. That'll do it for us. The NASCO Roofing Preview Show. We send you to Marlins Park coming up in just a moment here on Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.